let me let me open us up in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are so good. God, I know that can be a tough statement, and I even feel it in my own heart, um, my disbelief, Lord, especially as I look around our world and I see so much hurt and pain um, from violence on the south side of our city to natural disasters that happen around the world and take lives to women and children and sex trafficking here in the states and around the world. Oh God, we just pray for intervention of your hand. God, so many are hurting and need you. I pray you would just come quickly, Holy Spirit, to, to bring comfort, to bring peace where needed, to bring healing, Lord. Would you be with us today as we are uh, just in your word and, and diving in? Would you remove me and would you increase, Lord? Pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. There's hardly any feeling so strong, so passionate, so vibrant as your first crush. I still remember my first crush like it was yesterday. It was third grade. I remember I was feeling on top of the world. And I remember all the boys would talk about my crush but were too nervous to walk up to her. So I did what every third grade boy does when they have a crush. Love taps, a little teasing here and there. Or I would ignore her totally, because I'm so cool. But one day, I gathered all my strength and walked all the way across the playground said, today is the day where I will let her know. I have a note in hand. I walk up to her, hand her the note that says, do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> you laugh. She takes that note, reads it, feels like eternity has passed. She says, ew. I don't like boys. Throws the paper, walks away. And for the first time, I felt rejected. For the first time, I felt embarrassed. I felt like a cruel joke was being played on me. Fast forward a number of years, this was another cruel, cruel joke was being played. I was a sophomore at The Ohio State University. I know. I was in biology 201. We just finished, or the, the teacher, the professor just finished the teaching on Darwinian evolution. And then 
she asked, are there any other questions? So I kind of sheepishly raised my hand. Hey, will we, will we learn about any other like creation theories that involve God? And she responds back. <laughs> Anybody who believes in God is stupid. Kind of put my hand back down. And once again, I felt embarrassed and rejected. And if we're honest, and if you spent any time walking with God and, and trying to talk with others about God, you may be experiencing similar feelings or are feeling these feelings of rejection and embarrassment. Maybe when you're in these spiritual conversations, your, your hands get sweaty, heart starts beating, start murmuring and stuttering. I don't know. I know I get like that. I feel all this, this weight and pressure on me as if, if I don't say something right, this person may be going to hell. I don't know. I feel that pressure. And often at the conclusion of these conversations, I feel like I did when I was a little kid. Rejected. Embarrassed. So the question is, when fear paralyzes us from sharing God's word, is there anything we can do to overcome? It may be just as important, when we desire to share God's word, how do we go about doing it? If you have a Bible, Go ahead and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Today we're going to look at a passage that kind of answers those questions. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. And we're just going to dive right in. Maybe you've been tracking with us. And we've been going through 2 Timothy. Maybe you haven't. So I'll provide a little context in a second. But I want to read verse 1. The NLT version says, "I I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. And a little bit of verse 2, preach the word of God. And so this is Paul the Apostle writing to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy, who's a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. It's a, it's a booming port city. So very similar to, to Chicago. Kind of get this Ephesus feel right now. Welcome. And there's a, there's a lot going on in Ephesus, just like it's a lot going on in Chicago. But right before our passage, just like last week, Paul is defending why the word of God is divine, authoritative, able to make one wise for salvation, and profitable for godly living. And after the kind of this eloquent defense, he turns to Timothy and he says, verse 1, But I'm a little fearful 
that when we read verse 1, we kind of just kind of like skip right over it. We missed a couple words. In some versions it says, I charge you. My version right here says, I solemnly urge you. I come from a sports background. And so when someone gives a charge or a pregame speech, it sounds a little different than your normal tone. It might sound something like this, as Paul was just praising God for his divine word coming down to us. It's authoritative. He's like, oh my gosh, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus that he will judge the living and the dead. And when he comes to set up his kingdom, you better be ready to preach the word. Are you inspired? I feel kind of inspired. And I imagine myself like Timothy, being scared. I just want to be clear. Charges are never given to, to the confident and the fearless. You ever notice that? Charges are never given to the confident and fearless. Why? Because they don't need it. They're already going to go in. They don't need a pep talk. Charges are only given to inspire the fearful. Paul is charging the young Timothy because he knows he's afraid to preach the word just like us. So I want you to take comfort in this charge. God is speaking to our hearts right now because he knows us and he deeply knows our fears. So how do we overcome this crippling fear when it comes to sharing the word? There must be a a, a confidence shift. We're about to see that in a second. It's going to be a confidence shift from self to God. Let's go back to verse 1. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. We have to take confidence in his presence. He's with us. He's with us. So often we take confidence in self, in our preservation, in our presence, that we forget that the God of the universe has promised this. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Do you not know today that God's presence is literally in you for those who have faith in Christ Jesus? Brothers and sisters, you are blood-covered, Holy Spirit-filled, children of the Most High God. That's where your confidence is, in Christ, in his presence in you. There we go. Second, back to that verse. Our confidence should be in Jesus Christ judging all humans. I know that may sound a little rough when you hear it, but that's something we should take pleasure in. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of evil in my world. I see a lot of unjust systems in my world. I see a lot of poverty in my world. And many of that is due to human functions. 
So I'm praising God that Jesus will judge rightly. And that his standard of judgment is not us. It's perfection. It's Christ. So the only thing that will be judged rightly is perfection. Those who have placed their faith in the only sacrifice that's acceptable before God. Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you need proof that he'll judge one day, look no further than the cross or the empty tomb. He will judge all sin one day. So when we look at humans and when we're interacting with each other, we know, oh, I'm, I'm standing before somebody. That they will get judged one day. And I'm praying that they'll be on the right side of eternity. The third thing, we can take confidence that Jesus will return and set up his kingdom. Oh, that should have made somebody say hallelujah. That he will return and set up a kingdom. <laughs> Thank you. I know it may be tough because we're kind of in this American kingdom. We can't see the king high and lifted up, holy and righteous, sitting on a throne that will one day make all things new. His kingdom will be like none seen before. And this is good news because the reason why he's judging people, because he wants a pure kingdom. No longer will sin be tolerated. No longer will evil have its reign. It's going to be a kingdom of our dad where people and Abba Father will dwell together in perfect harmony. We should take confidence in that, that that's coming. So how do we overcome our fear? We have more confidence in the God who is with us, who will bring final judgment, and who will ultimately return. We need more confidence in that than the fears that echo to us. Let's read verse 2. And here, we're going to answer the question, how do we preach the word of God? How do we do it? Verse 2. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. To all my people who, who love steps and instructions and application, this is your time to shine. You can take notes right now. Get a, a first step. What should we do? How should we preach the word of God? We need to be prepared. What does prepared mean? We need to be in the gym practicing. How can you preach the word when you're not in the word? So we need to daily dive in to the word. And not just for others' sake, so that Jesus can meet my broken heart. So that Jesus can confront me and my messed upness. We'll look that up in the dictionary later. <laughs> we need that. The gospel is for us first. The word of God is for us first. 
once we're prepared, and then it says, then it answers the question, because I know somebody's wondering, how often should we be prepared, Lance? Oh, man, I love the Bible. Here it goes. It says, whether the time is favorable or not. That's just another word for always. In season, out of season, winter, spring, summer, fall, it doesn't matter, all the time. Be prepared. Be in your word. And then it keeps going. Love it. It it might be something that we, we can skip over, but it says, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. I wanted to read it again. Patiently correct. Patiently rebuke, patiently encourage your people with patient, good teaching. Patience. How do we do it? With patience. When we skip over this characteristic, we begin to teach from our own perspective and our own desires rather than the good of the person we're speaking with. In our own strength, we can cause extreme damage when we aren't patient. So we need the Holy Spirit to do two things right now. He needs to remind and teach us. He needs to remind and teach us. We need to be reminded of God's extreme patience to us while we were yet sinners and in rebellion against him. It's so easy to forget that. What does that reminder do? It humbles us. It humbles us. Often we can come very arrogant and proud when we're speaking with someone, let alone a non-believer. Have mercy on us. Patience always flows from humility. Always. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us to be active Listeners. So what does that look like? I came up with an acronym. Active. A. Attentive body language and eye contact. So often we can be distracted and not give someone our full focus. C. You could put in parentheses, resist. We need to resist cutting people off to get to our point. We need to listen fully and well. T, we need to tune in to what the person is saying by resisting the urge to formulate a response as the other person is talking. I know for myself, while someone's talking to me, I can just already be thinking about, oh, man, I need to say this, 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 and that. What'd you say? We need to tune in to what the person is saying by resisting the urge to formulate a response as the person is talking. And I, we need to ignore distractions. I'm guilty of this. So often I can be in a conversation and my phone has more attention than the person in front of me. We need to ignore distractions. V. We need to be vetting responses. What I mean by that is 
We need to be able to repeat back what we heard and then ask clarifying questions. V, vetting responses. And then E, we need to express gratitude. When's the last time you thanked somebody for sharing something with you? Active listening. And then we get to the rest of verse 2 on how to preach the word. We need to preach it holistically. Holistically. We'll let the scripture unfold what that means. But before that, I want to debunk two cultural myths. When we, especially when we see preach the word. Number one, when we hear preach the word, we often think of someone like myself like a preacher or a pastor or like a televangelist or someone standing in front of some of others. But this phrase right here, this just simply means to be an announcer of good news. That's encouraging because we all have the capacity to be announcers of good news in any space that we're in no matter your vocation, no matter the time zone, no matter the language, you and I can be announcers of good news. And the second myth I want to debunk, there may be some in here that think, when they, or when they read, preach the word, they think it only means a specific gospel presentation. So our interactions, when it says preach the word, I can only share the good news of Jesus with you. But then my question to you is, what about the next day? How do you patiently endure with somebody over the long haul if all you did in your interactions were only a four-part presentation of the gospel? I think we put God in a box. He wants us to walk with someone. We need to be able to apply the good news to every area of life, not just know a formula. How do I know that? Because the rest of the verse doesn't make sense if it's only a box or a formula of a gospel presentation. How can you always... Be with somebody correcting, rebuking, encouraging by saying the same thing over and over. It doesn't work like that. Our gospel understanding needs to expand. Our kingdom perspective needs to be afresh so that every area of life is impacted by the word of God. So that as we're, we're walking with somebody, we can correct them, we can let them know, hey, you're going in the wrong direction, but also this is the right direction. Or maybe some people you do need to actually rebuke. Put up a red light, hey, do not go that way. No explanations needed. Or you need to encourage somebody, hey, keep going along this path. 
You're going. You got it. Keep going. You're almost there. That's why we need to be announcers of good news in every area of life to walk along somebody. Jesus didn't just call us to be preachers of good news, but to be disciple makers, to live life with people. So how do we preach the word of God? We do it by being always prepared. We do it with patience, and we do it holistically. Let's read verses 3 and 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Just to give a, a visual of what this might look like, I was on my way to um, Rio, Brazil, and I had to stop first in Sao Paulo. And when I got there, they only speak one language, and that language is not my own. And I needed to get to a connecting airport. So here I am, don't speak Portuguese, everyone speaks Portuguese around me. And I'm just like looking for help, looking for help. Anybody that can point me in the right direction to another airport to see how to get here? So I'm on the lookout just for whoever can help. Thankfully, I ran into somebody that actually could speak English. I ran into somebody that could point me in the right direction. But I imagine if I never ran into that person, I would just be going from person to person to thing to thing, maybe Google it, translate, all types of things. Because I need help. And I think that's what this verse is describing. People are being followed by their own passions and desires. I don't think we need to look down on this. I think we need to look at them as, hey, we have the right motives, desires. We have the right plan of action. We can help you go in the right way. If they reject it, they reject it. If they accept, they get on the right plane and get to Rio. Something else in this verse is that time is urgent. The time is coming. The time is now. We need to preach the word now because people are believing all types of things. Two prominent ones that I hear all the time are that you could be a good person to get to heaven. Or another myth, all roads lead to God. That thinking is dangerous because our thoughts have consequences and these thoughts produce actions. So the time is urgent. So because God has has given his divine word and, and will return soon, we can boldly preach it to others while patiently teaching. This, uh, this summer, I had the pleasure of proposing to my girlfriend, who is now my fiance. And so you can kind of say that this uh, third grade boy 
found a better crush. Still nervous and asking the question that may change my life forever. It was a moment that was, that was special. It was a moment that, yeah, will, will change my life forever. But it was, a, it was a great moment. I had fear. I was nervous. But the love that I have for Chris overwhelmed my fears and nervousness, nervousness of actually asking the question. And in Christ, I think we have some similarities. God knows the plan, has equipped me. I, I had the ring. I knew the question. I knew where and when it was happening. God knows the person that we're talking to, knows what they've been through. He's given us the message of the good news, the ring. And all we have to do is ask the question, invite people into the kingdom. That's why we can be bold in proclaiming the gospel. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just confess our, our, our laziness, our, our apathy, our fear, our idolatry of self. Yeah, just all these things that hold us back from being, from being announcers of the good news. God, I pray you would calm fears right now. That people would look outside themselves to see a kingdom that is coming. And they have the privilege, we have the privilege to invite others into that kingdom. God, help us change our mind. Holy Spirit, please come. Help us to not be silent. Help us to be witnesses in our places of work, where we grocery shop, where we live. Help us to, to bring um, heaven as it is on earth, Lord. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in the service, we're going to continue our worship by taking up the offering. So if the ushers will go ahead and come forward to do that. We do this every week. We take up an offering as an opportunity to reflect and respond to the reality that all that we have has been given to us by God. And so if you call Evanston Bible Fellowship your church,